Welcome to Enjoy Cherokee Voices, an award-winning local podcast delivering in-depth conversations with the movers and shakers of Cherokee County, Georgia. And now, it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Hello, hello, and welcome to the studio, Miss Lisa Marie Haygood. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming. This has, this is a real treat. Lisa Marie, how are you today? I think I'm great. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah, well, I'm thankful that you are here. So, Ms. Lisa Marie, you are the Executive Director at the Cherokee County Educational Foundation, is that right? That is true. That is true. I took that job in 2017, and they say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, and it couldn't be more amplified than the position I have there. Love my job. Fantastic. Where Where is this located? Where is your job located, actually? My job is actually located all over the community. I'm not, if I'm in my office, I'm not out making money. So my job is to raise funds and awareness for all of the public schools in the Cherokee County Public School District. Mm-hmm. And where's your office? Physically, I have an office off Keter Road um, in the Holly Springs area. Oh, okay. But rarely am I there. You know, you attend a lot of events. You do Rotary, Optimist Club. Um, I work with Cherokee County Republican Women, a lot of different groups that I'm a part of because networking is a big part of my job. Sure. We're going to get to more of that in a little while. But really, I'm here because I want to get to know you. And let's talk about it. Where were you born and raised, Elise Marie? I was born in Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. I was the largest baby on record in 1969. What? Um, the largest true. baby? Really? It's you- true. I was a really heavy baby, um, approaching 12 pounds. So I think that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Are you still, is that still the record? Are you still a record holder? No, no, I'm not the record holder. I don't even think I made it through the end of 1969. How, how many siblings do you have? I have only one sister. She lives in Texas, and she was born premature, so we can't even compare who would have outweighed the other. Who's older, you or she? I am the oldest by Mm -hmm. um, two years. My gosh, you were the first baby and the largest in the hospital, (laughs) in in the big Piedmont Hospital downtown. That's true, but I've been large in life. I really um, take things in a big way and just enjoy everything. Where did you grow up then? You were born at Piedmont, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Douglas County. I Mm -hmm. um, attended school, public schools all through there, um, and went to college at the University of Georgia and got a master's at Georgia State and Kennesaw State University. What did you study at Georgia? Um, Speech. Speech? Yes. Like speech pathology? Yes, I wanted to be a speech pathologist. I really thought that that was something I would do. Did you do much in the line of public speaking there? Um, yes, I did debate. I debated, and I got a lot of scholarship money for debate. So that really? was a pretty that was a pretty big deal for me. What did you debate? What were some of the things you debated? Uh, it's mostly social issues. The thing about debate is that they ask you to look at both sides of a scenario. So you might form an argument for or against something, but you get points because you have to switch, and you don't know until you're in that moment which side of an argument you're going to have to take. Are you kidding me? No, but I think it's amazing because it makes you look at things. Like I I have lots of friends who are of different political persuasions, and I love hearing their ideas and their thoughts. I think if we could take away the anger and the rhetoric and the social media hype, we could really understand each other more. Um, I don't think people have one side or another that they're really for or against. If you could just listen to other people, um, it might help inform you. I think that's a great idea. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to start 
doing my own debate within my own head. Write down good stuff about things, bad stuff about things, and trying to figure it all out. It's kind of fun. If you're locked in on a position for something, try to take the other side. Look at it from somebody else's point of view. And it it kind of gives you a, um, a great way to get along with more people, I think. I agree with you. All right, so that so you got scholarship money from that. I'm arguing. I know I missed the vote on that because I'm a really good arguer. No, not really. I just I think it would be fun to get some scholarship money for that. Making your way in the world by talking and arguing. You should have been a lawyer. Did you my think mom, about it? My mom wanted me to be an attorney. My mom wanted me to be an attorney. I think um, the idea of um, the research and the constant um, doing background work for things is not really where I am. I'm kind of a more in the moment. I like for, uh, I like the big picture, but I don't really like as much legwork as is necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not built to be a lawyer, I don't think. So you graduated from Georgia. Did you work then for a while before you went on to get your I was um, getting days? a master's at um, Georgia State and um, took a job, a teaching position. I only taught for one year, though. What did you teach? really hard. Speech pathology. No kidding. Yeah. So I had a self-contained classroom of seventh graders. It was a very trying time for me. Um, just emotionally, I, I struggled with some of the kids that were in my class and some of the things that happened for them at home that I had very little control over. So what, uh, how many children were in your classroom about 11? It was a small, it was a self-contained class. So what type of children, I'm, I'm, I'm very naive on this whole subject. So what kind of problems would these children have that had speech pathology needs? Well, um, in this particular school, and it was a middle school, and um, the kids would come there because they needed extra resources and time together. They couldn't interact well outside of that classroom. Some of them uh, were in wheelchairs, some were on braces and crutches, and some just needed a lot more hands-on work, where you have individualized uh, parapros that come in to work with them, and you're a teacher in a class. Um, the and they had speech issues? Talking. Some do. Hard some time do. talking or a hard yes. time communicating? Tongue-tied. Some, mm-hmm. some uh, had stutters. There, there's a myriad of things that might impact them that speech-language pathologists work with them for. The struggle I had in that role was really much more about the things that were happening to some of the children at home. They weren't necessarily in the best situation. I'm not the kind of person that could go um, run an animal shelter because I would have all the dogs in my house, all the cats in my house, all the horses, like every, I would just take in all of the children and it's Mm. not for me. And I'm not the type that can separate what I do during the day from what I do when I lay my head down on the pillow at nighttime. So I think it would consume me. It's hard to see a child in an abusive situation. Um, And and we have it. It's all over our community. Sadly, we have kids that are in cars right now spending the night in the cold without knowing where their next meal is coming from. And that's just hard to believe in our beautiful community where I think everybody is incredibly friendly and giving, and we just don't know what's happening. It's hard. We don't know, and we have so many great charities that work here alongside them. Um, I have a good friend from my Bible study that works with Must Ministries, and um, he had a rough week this week with someone that he couldn't place in housing, and he knew that they were going to have to spend the night in a car, and that is just heartbreaking. Yeah, and then you can't really bring them into your house either, you know. Right. Oh, it's just hard. Well, bless his heart, all, that whole family. Then you went and you got your master's degree. I did, and I didn't actually use it. I became a mom 
at, at a, um, right before I turned 30, I have two little girls, Ashley and Katie, and I thought I would be able to um, have them and return to work, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. Something happened, though. I just couldn't put, I couldn't put Ashley down. I just wanted to hold her all the time. Mm-hmm. And the idea of sending her um, away and not looking at her every minute of the day just was more than I could take. So oh. I opted to stay home with my girls. But they're not little anymore. No, they're not. They're grown-up girls doing their own thing. Ashley, she just got engaged recently, and she'll Woo-hoo. be getting married next October. And we're very excited for her. She um, was a school teacher for a little while. Um, she always wanted to be a school teacher as she grew up. And she, um, she taught school at Carmel Elementary. Unfortunately, the timing of it was really hard for her. Timing? Yeah, she um, did her student teaching and took her job during COVID. Never had an experience oh prior to COVID. Oh, my goodness. It was really trying for her. Teaching with a mask on was um, super hard for her. You know, to speak, to breathe, it's just hard to to manage a class. And the schools here in Cherokee County did a great job. We opened our doors to children learning before anybody else in America. And I don't know if you remember that, but it was all over TMZ and folks were making fun of us because we were such, you know, rebels getting everybody back in school. And it worked out, though. Our kids didn't drop far behind the way so many other school districts did. In order to keep the kids safe, and, and rightly so, they tried to keep them in a contained classroom so instead when they would come off of the school buses instead of going to the cafeteria for a period of time or away for lunch they were in the class from very early you know 6 45 in the morning you would have kids in your class working through planning periods working through lunch you were with them and as a new teacher I think she just had so many ideas of what she wanted to do and be and she just worked and worked and worked you know worked constant hours and just never it just didn't click for her. But I think teaching over the last couple of years has been hard for so many of our mm-hmm. teachers. And, and we're seeing a drop-off in, in teachers. And I'm so proud of what our school district does and the, and the great work they do in recruiting and um, training and building up leaders. We, we raise a lot of kids here in the school district that grow up to become school teachers. And I'm just really proud of the work they do there. But it's not going to work for every person. Yeah. So she's still a big fan of the school district. She just opted to, she'll go in and do long-term, long-term substitute positions or help with tutoring and things for kids because she, you know, is going to maintain her certification in case she decides to go back at a later date, but decided to pursue teaching riding lessons. She rode horses. Horse riding. Yeah, mm-hmm. she rode horses all through high school and competed um, when she was a student at Sequoia. They won a national championship for their equestrian team. No kidding. Year. Yeah, it's very exciting. Ooh, very we'll exciting. have to have her on sometime. That sounds like... <laughs> Fun. Does Sequoia have a riding team? They did for a few years after. You know, with anything else, it's going to be cyclical because you're going to have to have tremendous support. So you have to have a teacher um, staff member who will, you know, help and coach and be part of the team. And you got to have parental support. Working with horses is not an inexpensive hobby. Um, So making sure that you had parents who could trailer kids and do uniforms. They actually 
did the uh, fundraising for all of their team uniforms is why she's a horse trainer now. They did this little program starting when she was in the 10th grade called Babysitting with a Kick. And (laughs) we lived on a horse farm. And so she would, during breaks, like fall break, spring break, and summer break, they would have kids together and they would do arts and crafts with them and snacks. And they would teach them the parts of the horses and let them brush the horses down. And they would use the money that they made to buy all of their uniforms to compete. Oh my God. And so it turned into something else. You know, it's just a love that she has. And she loves working with those younger kids. She trains kids who are kindergarten through, say, fifth grade, but beginner riders. So it's not like a very competitive thing. Not everybody wants to work with I beginner would riders. Be, I would, a whole day lesson must be how to get up onto the horse for these little humans. It is I mean, just so cute. Do they have like staircases? To get they them do. Up? They That's have hilarious. mounting blocks. But oh my they do neat things. They um, put paint on their hands and they mark up horses for different horse parts and stuff. And then... Um, Wait a minute. What? They put yeah, they like, paint a like horse? Like acrylic paint that goes onto your hands and then you um, paint the horse up. But then you have a lesson on grooming the horse because you got to shampoo all that off and um, work to clean them and brush them and things like that. <laughs> These poor horses. Those horses <laughs> love every minute of it. They are all rescue horses and they have had some pretty sad uh, lives coming up. I think Shiloh, one of the horses that's at the farm, is just the saddest for me. When we went to pick him up, he was um, tied with a rope to a tree in a mobile home park, just festered with ticks um he had been traded for a four-wheeler and they just didn't have any space for him and so we took him um he was just a mess but you couldn't find a more appreciative little dude all of the horses there at the farm are rescues and they love the kids i think we're jumping ahead a little bit here because you're actually in the process of building a horse farm we are we are is this where all of these horses are right now they are currently at avery road um my daughter runs the riding program it's called creekside ranch and they're currently at avery road which is um property that belongs to our brother gary and um they're housed there and she's running you know um just taking care of all the horses there at that program while we build up in bond ground we were in hickory flat and we sold our house at the height of the um housing i don't even know what you call that it was madness <laughs> yeah at the, the i liked it at the height of the housing madness it exactly. just um it sold faster than than we thought than we expected mm-hmm. it to and while you can make great money selling your house at the top of the market, to um, build a house at that same top of the market is especially challenging. Um, our notion was to downsize and um, be debt-free in our home, and we go out and we have this house plan and we shop it, and it turns out that half the house is going to cost twice as much as the house that we sold so it's moving much slower than I anticipated I'm a grown woman living in a basement of my brother-in-law's home right now what's your brother-in-law's name that's Gary so we got Gary Gary and your husband's name is Jerry and is there somebody else yeah the older brother is Larry so it's Larry Gary Jerry um okay (laughs) now I don't know any of these people but I'm guessing that their parents had a very big sense of humor I'd, I'd like to tell you that it was for fun, but I, I think it was serious. I think they were very serious about it. And Larry, Gary, and Jerry. Yeah, it's priceless. Jerry's the baby? Jerry's the baby. He's and when baby. did you meet Jerry, your husband? I met Jerry in um, early 2000s. Yes, mm-hmm. he was a contractor, and he was building a car dealership where my ex-husband was the general manager. 
No kidding. Yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? It is a small world. When did you get married? We got married in 2004. Good for you. Yeah. And you've lived in Cherokee County the whole time? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. He's a card, isn't he? Your husband. He is a hot mess. And <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't always been that way. We actually um, had a really traumatic experience in our family back in 2019. It was April the 7th of Just 2019. Just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, um, we were asleep and um, needed to get up and go to church the next morning we were supposed to be teaching Sunday school so you had to get up really early and I was super annoyed that he was snoring so loud just mm. in his sleep but like a crazy loud snore and I shook him something I said, you hadn't heard before yeah. I said Jerry do you know roll over buddy you're snoring and I shook him yeah roll over and then there was no sound at all nothing what and I said uh Jerry you know Jerry and I sat up and I shook him and he nothing he didn't breathe he was doing nothing and so I know I um I hopped up and I called 911 and I started CPR on him I learned CPR he was seriously not breathing at not all not breathing at all he had suffered a massive heart attack in his sleep oh my goodness it was it was terrible but um I Started CPR. I did CPR. CPR is... Like right on the bed. You hopped on the right bed there. and just started going. Oh, right my there. gosh. Um, it was about 5.30 in the morning. It's shocking to have to do that. And I haven't learned... I hadn't um, done CPR since I was in college. I was mm-hmm. a lifeguard out at Rock Eagle 4-H Center. And that's the last cpr training that i've done sadly you really should keep up with your cpr training that's that's a lesson for all of us yes. absolutely but when when i last learned it was you were doing breaths you were pinching someone's nose you tilted their neck and you mm-hmm. were doing breaths and compressions and um it felt like a it felt like a really long time before someone got there the the 911 operator advised that um, the sheriff was there at the house, um, but that the doors were locked. But, of course, the doors are locked. It's 5.30 yeah. in the morning, and yeah, everything was dark. Well, I ran I ran to the front door, and I unlocked it, and I told her it was unlocked. I didn't wait to greet him. I just said it was unlocked because he had gone to another part of the house trying to come in. And it was great that he was there. He helped me to lift Jerry and get him onto the floor and continue. I was thinking it would until be better on the floor. So much better on the floor. I just couldn't possibly move him. He was probably without meaningful oxygen somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes. No way. Which is, it's too much. Like that's anoxic brain injury and you are in a really bad way. He was not revived. Uh, they did uh, the defibrillator on him you know just constantly and to watch that he just looked so small and frail and he never came to the folks that responded to our emergency were station eight the fire department we knew some of them which is awesome because we did fireworks for our wedding anniversary we were married on the fourth of july and so we always did fireworks there at the farm um in the hickory flat area which um we would share with all the neighbors at Bradshaw Farms and everything that backed up to our farm. And it was it was special to have them, and they were so committed to trying to revive him. They really loaded him up into the back of the ambulance, and he still had not um, come to. And I just wasn't sure what to do with myself. I, I scooped all of his prescription medications into a bag, and um, I just got myself ready to get in my car and go. And 
a few minutes later, one of the paramedics came from the back of the ambulance and he said, we have a faint radial pulse on him. So we're going straight to Northside Hospital, Cherokee. Don't try to follow us. We're going to go really fast. Right. Um, he said, but we'll meet you in the emergency room. And um, I drove straight there, and I was so thankful that when I got into the ER, he was still considered a patient because I hadn't seen him revived. Um, and they were going to take him. Well, you were you were glad to see he was considered a patient, meaning what? Not deceased. Like I Oh, my god! I thought he was. I had grabbed his suit and put it in the back of my car. That's how really? bad this was. Lisa Marie, this is. It was really, it was really, really a shocking and difficult time. Um, and they took him up, it was Sunday morning early, and they took him up to um, surgery. Immediately. They did, um, they hooked up a device to him called an Impella heart pump, which was a new technology that they had there. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, it's a wire that's threaded up, but it pumps the heart for you. So they kept him alive long enough. That was a life-saving measure um, to transport him to Piedmont Hospital. They said he was in need of a triple bypass, and that's not a procedure that they do there at Northside. Was it the Fuqua, is that the Fuqua Heart Center then that he was taken to? Yes. Okay. And so then they took him down to um, Piedmont and um, he was in ICU there for so much time. I had, um, in my CPR, I had broken his ribs, punctured his lungs, broke the little membrane around his heart. He was really, really in a bad way. And he was in there for um, six to eight weeks on a ventilator. Oh, my goodness. Completely um, dependent on life support. And um, as a result of the anoxic brain injury, he lost like half of his colon to sepsis. It was just a constant, constant um, barrage of surgeries and procedures and um, just the care and the people that we experienced in that period of time. You just cannot possibly imagine. This was all before COVID, so... Oh, thank I could the Lord. Be there, I could be there with him and um, his family and his friends. He was so supported and loved and cared for during that time. Um, when he stabilized, he after he'd had a defibrillator, he still hadn't had bypass surgery, which is what we went to Piedmont for. Um, but they got a defibrillator into him because he had several um, heart attacks after that. And um, the cardiologist said, we're not going to do... Um, surgery on him until he can walk in here on his own. He's just not strong enough. And I thought, this man is on a ventilator. Mm-hmm. You've lost your mind. He's not walking back in here. But they discharged us from Piedmont a couple months later and moved him to a long-term acute care facility so that he could begin to be weaned from a ventilator. Still, no, um, he couldn't walk. He couldn't speak. He couldn't swallow. He could do nothing and had to learn all of that again. He was in rehabilitation for, for most of that year. That was all of 2019, really. He continued to do physical therapy, occupational therapy, everything. He has been doing cognitive remediation for the last two years because even... Now, what is that? It is, um, we operate with um, something that's called executive function. Like, I have the ability to come here for this interview this morning. I could think through what time I needed to leave my house, then what time I needed to get up, what time I needed to shower, to um, get dressed, to have eaten breakfast, to have checked my email. We can budget all of those things because we have executive function. He essentially, because of his anoxic brain injury, had 
all of the parts of his brain worked, but they didn't communicate together. So he had to learn how to do all that again. Oh my God. He is driving. He is working. He is nothing short of a miracle. I am not joking. Wait a minute. When no, did this I happen? What, what day, what day was this? That this <laughs> It happened? was April the 7th of 2019. And he was walking again before the end of 2019. Um, the coolest thing, uh, he was doing, working with a speech pathologist because he couldn't swallow. You have to learn to swallow all over again. Oh, right, right. Um, and, uh, build up your vocal cords because they've been damaged with a ventilator being in and things like that. And it was the coolest thing. Um, they'd been working on this blowout device to build up his vocal cords. And, um, I remember being at the hospital leaned over because she said, we're going to try to say something. Can you say Jerry? And, um, he could move his lips, but you couldn't hear it. Mm. The very first words that I heard um, and it was at a whisper, but he said, I love you. <gasps> and I just, I don't know. It was, ama- it was amazing. He has been, um, nothing short of a miracle. I don't know how, I can't explain how he's doing it or how he's done it, but he is the most, uh, the man that I got back is the most appreciative person on the face of the planet. Oh like, my Oh gosh. my gosh, thanks for making these eggs. These are the fluffiest scrambled eggs I've ever seen. Just thankful for every single minute. And he enjoys spending time with his friends traveling. He remembers to get me flowers. Uh-huh. I think he was trained to do that by his, um, cognitive remediation nurse. Oh, <laughs> maybe she deserves a flower. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. So what is his, you said he's back to work. What's his, job he grinds trees and by that I mean he operates this thing called a forestry mulcher so instead of clearing land that you would need a land disturbance permit for he can go in and clean up brush and debris or um, grind trees that are up to 10 inches in diameter and it takes them from a tree down to mulch which means the land isn't disturbed um, but it clears property so if you have Mm. overgrown brush and things like that clearing trails and pathways he's had to clear um, a lot of our property up in ball ground because it was very wooded and we needed it to be a horse pasture so he ground it all down and then the mulch helped to fertilize the land so that we could plant grass seed and things and he's back doing it. Is he, does he work for someone or is this his own business? It's his own business. It's his own business. It's a necessary business because it's small. It's like um, the size of a skid steer or the front of a bobcat. So he can get into enclosed spaces, yards and things like that. Cleaning trails um, near like Corps of Engineer property and things like that. A lot of builders took over lots and things for banks um, back when the housing bubble was bad. And some of those properties had become really overgrown and he can go in and clean them up and get ready for them to build on is he the only guy that can stand in one spot on the side of the road in Georgia and not get eaten up by kudzu (laughs) kudzu (laughs) it's awesome he actually there are things that get caught up in his mulcher but it's largely like um wisteria Mm. and there's something else that he curses about I can't remember but it's a vine like thing or sometimes people don't take down silt fencing or he doesn't see it and it gets caught in there and you've got to untangle it 
Um, it's a little bit like um, untangling a brush from a toddler's hair that's gotten it caught in there. It's bad. Let's give him a little plug. What's the name of his company? Well, it's just Jerry Haygood. He works for Walker's Mill is the company that he um, has an LLC under, but he um, he loves doing it. I, I thought he was working really hard, but he has a radio in his cab of his air-conditioned equipment. Oh, boy. Right? He can just go away and listen to a ball game, listen to talk radio all day long, and um, on his own pace and he just loves doing it well it had to have been such a scary time for you it was scary but I wouldn't undo it for anything I I think um I think it makes you stronger it made us stronger as a couple um we were resolved much more um dug in with our faith um we're both believers but there's something um miraculous about the power of prayer and the community that lifted us up and and walked us through this the support we had was amazing I mean I would have to leave the hospital to take a shower after four or five days you really need to shower um but his brothers and all of his family they just they never they never wavered they've not vacillated once they have been such um firm supporters of each other and the care that we give out we were never alone we were never alone and we had so much help and care well i'm glad to hear all of the good news that came out of that very good Speaking of good news, you are flying out to see your other daughter, Katie, tomorrow. Is that right? Yes, our Katie bug. She Katie is, bug. <laughs> she is. She was born Caitlin Noel Bates, but she was born on Christmas Day. So um, we gave her Noel as her middle name. Oh, I was going to call her Katie Ann after her grandmother, but it changes when they're born on Christmas Day. That's right. right. Got to shake it up. So she's Caitlin Noel. Um, that will be her executive name, but she's Katie Bug to all of us. Katie Bug. Yes. And where is she? She is at the University of Utah. Go Utes. <laughs> the Utes. I don't even know what that is. I know what that is. My cousin Vinny, the two Utes <laughs> the up there. Two Utes. Yeah. <laughs> they have a feather for a symbol, so I assume it's a native tribal thing, but I, I've never seen a Ute in real life. I'm not entirely sure. Their uniforms are fabulous for their football team. You think it has something to do with Native Americans, the Ute? I have to I have to say it does. It looks like a feather, their their logo does. Okay. So I probably, if I were a good parent, I would know what their school mascot is. Well, we might just have to figure that out before the end of the show here. Epic fail. Um, Katie is teaching, um, organic chemistry labs, um, and microbiology labs there at the university. So they, um, she got her undergraduate degree and her MBA at the University of Georgia during COVID, but she wants to pursue, I think she wants to teach, um, at a university level and they offered to pay for her PhD and put her on staff there. So she wow. works all of the, um, the labs that accompany organic chemistry or chemistry classes for undergraduate students. Um, and she's doing research in a lab working with a mass spectrometer. She is a pretty oh, mass spectrometer. That sounds like something right out of the Big Bang Theory. She is intensely talented. She just finished her second year seminar. She's geeky smart, and I attribute that to um, Brian Carnes at Sequoia. He's Brian a, who? Brian Carnes. Brian Carnes. <laughs> Pam Carnes' husband. Uh, we all love Pam because she does great work with the chamber, but really her husband has impacted my life even more than Pam has because he had both my daughters. They both learn very differently, but they both had a love and appreciation for chemistry. He makes learning fun. It's contagious in his labs, in his classroom, and she... 
she just thrives. She loves chemistry as a result of the teachers that she experienced from elementary school on. When she was in the fifth grade, she had to do an assignment. They went to Johnston Elementary School, and one of their science assignments was this uh, building of a cell. You had to build a cell and then label all the different parts of a cell. And her daughter, her sister, Ashley, had done it a couple of years earlier, and it was no big deal. We made it out of glycerin soap at the house, and mm. we just got whatever we could find that closely resembled the parts of the cell wall and stuck it in the soap, and then she labeled it. But Katie needed fusilli, a, um, red, a red-colored fusilli, not just regular fusilli that you can you buy like at Kroger or at Publix. Yes, because it closely resembled this part of the cell in her mind and we drove everywhere not just regular playing facility I was like do you just color it but she would never let it go it needed to be like this she had seen a picture of it it needed to be this fusilli and did you find it we did find it at Whole Foods after hours of looking we did find it but I think it's funny that she was that tightly wound about it in the fifth grade and then has gone on to do this. I just watched her. um, She did a like a 30 minute presentation that they call the second year seminar when you're a second year Ph.D. And you um, focus on an author who has done research that's related to what you're doing in your research lab and you're sharing that with everyone and showing the tie-ins to the research that you're doing. And she was so enthusiastic and so excited to share this information. And I looked at her graphics, and I was like, those are amazing graphics. And look, that's like the red fusilli <laughs> for the fifth grade. It's all circular. It all comes back around it again. It does all come back around again. So. I feel a really good stocking stuffer coming on. Right? Red fusilli. <laughs> I get a question. Have you ever run for office? Um, I have run for an office, yes, an elected position, um, not um, one that's sanctioned through the elections office. I was elected to be the president of the Georgia PTA, the Georgia Parent Teacher Association, it was called the Georgia Congress of Parents and Teachers. I was the state president. So when I... Um, so every PTA organization across the state answers to this or they're part of it in some way? I prefer to say that they serve all of the local units in, mm, in, mm-hmm. in theory. What happens is the PTAs exist at all of the local units, like all of our um, schools here in Cherokee County have a PTA unit, and they have their own officers. Those officers are grouped into a county PTA, so we have a county council of PTA here in Mm -hmm. Cherokee County, and then they have districts. There are 13 districts across the state, and then they have state officers and a state board of directors. So when you are elected the state, when I was elected to be the state president, there were 250 50,000 members in in Georgia PTA. Yeah, it's a little bit of baptism by fire. You really have to learn a lot. It helps if you've served in positions and worked your way up. You kind of have an idea of what they do, but we're responsible for training leaders, making sure they know what to do um, Mm -hmm. because they're all running their own nonprofits. They exist under the Georgia PTA umbrella but they still have to file their own 990s, which is their internal revenue service reporting, and um, handle their own budgets. And uh, we were responsible for tracking any fraud or problems that happened across the state. And sadly, there is some. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. We have had, I, I feel like I could 
almost tell you how to do anything related to theft because we've had to prosecute that before and it's it's tragic into it and figure it all out yeah it's a little bit sad well if you really believe that it's happened you of course turn it over to local law enforcement but sometimes you've got to do your own research before you can hand them the evidence and say i believe that there's a crime here see i knew you you should have been a lawyer all of that investigation (laughs) that's it all comes back around again that's just checking financial documents which are important to do There's a lot of checks and balances, and there's a reason for it. Absolutely. Mm, It's just scary to think about it. It is. To think about how much fraud is going on that we don't find out about, really. It is sad. That sounded like a pretty good stepping stone for you to become the director of the Cherokee County Educational Foundation. Is that Did that kind of go in order then after you were done it with really that? It really did go in order. I did some consulting with the Georgia School Boards Association, helping them do conflict mediation and making sure that their elected school board members across the state could engage with parents and engage volunteers, and then came into my position there at the foundation. And the foundation has really grown a great deal. We have tremendous uh, board members. The foundation started back in like 2012 when we were furloughing teachers and laying people off. We couldn't really afford extras. And we had some committed uh, community volunteers and people who were working with key staff at the school district to make sure that they could form this nonprofit to fill in the gaps. Your money for a classroom comes from pretty much three different pots. You have federal dollars, you have state dollars, and then the local tax digest. And the local tax digest is making up nearly half of what um, it costs to educate a child. Mm. We have to to be able to compete here in Cherokee County. We compete pretty darn well, given the fact that most of our tax base is residential. And what I mean by that is if you're charging 6 or 7% tax rate for sales of things, imagine how much better Cobb County's doing. They have the Brave Stadium right there mm-hmm. and all of that shopping. Imagine how Fulton County's doing with concert venues and Mercedes-Benz and things like that. The bigger counties, it's it's sometimes tough to compete teacher dollar-wise. Um, our elected school board members and our key staff at the, at the county really focus on making sure we can put the most money possible in. And it's a little bit it's a little bit of a challenge because you run into people like you and I who don't want to pay more in tax dollars. And the only way we really generate revenue is through that local tax digest. So we um, are happy when our school board members roll back the millage rate and charge us less taxes, but then we're mad because we don't pay our teachers enough. So we really, it's, it's, So this is where the foundation comes in to fill that gap. We fill a gap for things like teacher grants. If a teacher has a really great idea for something that they want to see that's going to make for excellence in a classroom, we have um, grants available, $500 up to $2,500, to make sure that we can continue to have excellence inside the classroom walls. For instance, when you were growing up and you were in school, did you play the recorder in music class? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Um, that was my favorite. I think. I mean, it's cool, right? It's really cool. We had a really neat teacher grant that said, well, can we please put ukuleles in the classroom so they can learn to start stringing instrument notes to raise more passion and awareness for music reading and the folks who I, I make no decisions about the grants for the foundation. We have 
again, we have a board of directors and anyone who is related to the school district does not make decisions about where the money goes, but other volunteers sit in on a committee and they read the grants. And what's really cool is um, the grants are submitted electronically, but then we redact everything. We don't know the teacher's name. We don't know the school. We read the grant on its merit and they decide where the money's best appropriated based on the grant application. So the ukulele teacher received the grant? Yes. And how many ukuleles did that buy? Um, We send the money to the school and the school can buy as many, they know what their class sizes are. And we've had, since then, we've had a couple other kindergarten classes that wrote in. Oh, it was a kindergarten class. Oh my gosh. So that, I think that's really cool. We have done digital telescopes for the astronomy clubs at the high schools so that they can, and then we've had to do add on um, web packs for them so that they can actually, sometimes in the places where you could go and study with a digital telescope, you don't have the best Wi-Fi service. So we've had to do Mm. web packs so that they can um, hone in based on computer. They can uh, type in the star or the configuration that they're looking for and the telescope goes right there and the kids can all look at it. Oh, it's really neat. Really neat. What a fascinating job to be going through all of these grant applications to think of all of these unique things that these teachers are coming up with. I mean, I our think teachers are just the best and they come up with some really neat ideas. I'm very more, proud. Let's of hear them. some more. Um, we have done some hydroponic gardens. Um, really? Yes. Mm. Yes. We have teachers who are engaging in nutritional classes and working with Tina Farmer and her amazing staff in the school cafeterias so that they are doing some farm to table. Um, like they'll grow spinach and they'll pull that spinach and they'll come up with neat recipes and the kids can have it in the lunchroom. No kidding. No, it's really just a neat experience. We've done little ears. Little ears. One of our one of our language pathologists and, and hearing audiologists wrote a grant about um, some of the kids have cochlear implants and the teachers will have like a lavalier microphone so the kids can hear them. Mm-hmm. But they were having difficulty being engaged in mainstream classrooms because of being unable to filter out superfluous noises and things like that if they wanted to be a part of group discussion and there was a special set of um, speakers that we were able to pick up for them so that some of our children who would otherwise be pulled out could be in a mainstream classroom and experience that same type of learning. That is tremendous. It's really great. About how much money do you as a foundation sink into these unbelievably cool ideas annually? Well, I would say annually, we're probably at about just under a hundred thousand dollars, but I know that, yes, but I do know that the foundation has given more than a million dollars since its inception back to teacher grants and district initiatives. And that was just, if I, did I get this right? It was 2012 that you yes, that they so came together they came together in 2012 and they were chartered in early 2013 so yes we'll be celebrating our 10-year anniversary at our gala this next march well speaking of the gala you have fundraising events and that's how this all comes down is that right yes i write grants and then we have four pretty big fundraising initiatives during the course of the year when the school year starts in August, we partner with all six of the Chick-fil-A locations in our county. That's a pretty rare event. In fact, I don't think it happens anywhere else. But all of our Chick-fil-A operators here in Cherokee County are amazing, and they work together. They don't really compete against each other because there's plenty of us that love Chick-fil-A, right? right. <laughs> they, <laughs> they work together, um, and they put on this amazing road race. It's the largest 5K in North Georgia, 
and it happens down at the Etowah Mill River Park. Mm-hmm. The uh, they had more than fifteen hundred runners. Fifteen hundred runners. Yeah, the largest five k in North Georgia is happening right here in Cherokee County. That's something for us to really be proud of. We raise a great deal. I think they raised over seventy five thousand dollars in that oh race this goodness. year. So that's a big help. We go into the Columbus Day holiday or Indigenous Peoples Day, depending on what you want to call it. I'm not sure who um, coins what the holidays are supposed to be called, but um, it's somebody much smarter than me. (laughs) But on that day, when there's a federal bank holiday, we hold our annual classics tournament. And so we have golf tennis and pickleball that happened down at the Bridge Mill Athletic Club on that day. And uh, Northside Hospital sponsors our golf tournament and um, the Credit Union of Georgia sponsors our tennis and pickleball. And is that, this the first year for pickleball? It was our first year for pickleball. Pickleball's a big deal now. It is Everybody's a huge playing deal. that. I played it. I played it once and I thought it was huge fun. I do think it's fun, but it's it's tantamount to adult uh, ping pong, right? Just bigger. I've just never a bigger played space. it. It's a I lot just of fun. heard today that's actually this morning I heard that's a plastic ball. I, I thought it was a tennis ball. Yeah, no, it looks like a wiffle ball. Oh, are there holes in it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the paddle's very much like a ping pong paddle, just a little bit larger, smaller than a tennis racket, but bigger than a ping pong paddle. And oh it's, it's really a lot of fun and it's great exercise. It's really great exercise. And, um, people are excited to play and do mm-hmm. it. So that's a big fundraiser for us. We do an annual t-shirt contest each year. I saw that. We'll be yeah. releasing our t-shirts, um, this next month. It's a little bit, it's been a little bit challenging in this, um, supply chain we try to do like a long sleeve and a short sleeve shirt. You would be surprised how challenging it is to get a long and short sleeve shirt that's the same fabric and color. Um, just mm. just supply, supply and demand right now is just really just too hard. So we'll be kicking that you know, off. Everybody's talking about the supply and demand, but I have to say that is so minor compared to the, the pandemic we went through. You're you know just what? right. We just need to be patient. It'll all come back, but I am, um, Yeah. The supply and chain, the supply and demand chain. I'm I'm starting to have a different feeling about it now. <laughs> Rather than getting angry, I'm just gonna. Mm, that's right. The pandemic sucked. <laughs> it was a little bit <laughs> tough for sure. So this year we'll just have short sleeve shirts, and we're gonna love them. We're gonna be very that's excited right. about them, we're and, and we're gonna just love them a lot. Um, I love the theme of this year's shirts. It's gonna. It's an apple tree. We have an apple tree for a logo. But it's got the roots, and it says "True to Our Roots." Oh, oh, that's good for our ten-year anniversary. Thanks, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I like. So it we can. Where do we buy those? We will have them available in an online link on the foundation website. Largely, our teachers and staff buy it. That's really who they buy it, and they can wear it with blue jeans for dress-down days at school. Oh, um, parents can buy those for their students or themselves, and just support the school district. The the shirts are sponsored by a lot of different companies, but um, the cost of the shirt is pretty minimal. It's like a $15 t-shirt, but it's, it goes, um, a long way. It, we allow people to take pictures with it and say, this is what I did in my shirt. So we've had people with their chickens and their chicken coops or <laughs> riding horses and stuff. And, um, we let the community decide who wins a grant. We give a, um, a $500 gift card when, um, people do their shirts, they can have all their friends and family vote for them. And it's, it's something fun to do through our website. Great. And then of course our gala, our gala is a huge event. That's our biggest money maker. We will be doing that on March the 11th up at the Northside Cherokee Conference Center. Um, this past year, we had a comedian, Andy Stanley, 
um, come and Andrew Stanley, Andy is that Stanley's, Andy Stanley's son? son. Yes, and he He's is a really funny. I didn't know that. You'll have to watch some of his videos. He's very funny, and what I love is he's a clean comedian, which is a rarity. Oh, thank the Lord! Yeah, that's great. I did not know this. I'm going to have to look him yeah, up. Yeah, he's again now. really he's really funny. He came and um, talked about how fortunate our kids were to be back in school because he was homeschooled, and he said, "Yeah, so really all I know is everything that my mom knows." I can can make a frittata and make my dad feel guilty. (laughs) I thought thought he was very funny and very charming. And uh, this year's gala, um, again, that's on March the 11th, and it's going to be circus-themed. Um, and we're very excited about that. We have um, 1885 Grill does our catering, and they do just an amazing job. The food is great. There's a big bourbon bar and a whiskey and wine pool, and the entertainment's going to be amazing. And we recognize our alumni of the year at the event there. So we have a male and a female who are nominated and presented for their work or accomplishments, but they had to have been a graduate of a Cherokee County high school oh that's pretty exciting yeah I think that's a neat opportunity very neat yeah tickets are $150 and then we have sponsorships available where people can buy tables and things like that and bring bring their friends but I do know that only 400 guests are only 400 you would think that sounds like so many people but but it sells out right yes it's sold out for the past three years okay a couple other things that Y'all do throughout the year, the Atlanta Hawks? We do. We have fundraiser nights where the ticket sales are discounted for teachers and staff. A portion of the proceeds of those tickets come back to us at the foundation. Of course, I think the coolest part about that, well, not the coolest part. The coolest part is you're making money on the deal, but... They also include $10 of food and beverage credits when you buy the ticket. Well, that's, it's so hard to take your family out right now. It's so expensive. So if you can grab a hot dog and a drink at a game, I think, I think it's great entertainment. They let us pick which games we want to do, which is incredibly nice of the Hawks. So I always try to pick um, a time when we're not in school. Um, mm-hmm. and when it's a good uh, name game. I don't know as much about basketball as I should, but I have um, good uh, family friends that will tell me which games to pick. I do think that um, our schools are probably one of the biggest attractions to the community. If you've got great schools, it's it's like having a strong spine, you know, to everything else in your health. If you have great schools, you can attract tremendous business leaders. I know that um, it helps to have great schools when you're looking for the best doctors, neurologists, and things like that. That Folks need to know that they could come here. We have low taxes, beautiful communities, great schools, and um, our sheriff and our law enforcement people keep keep us all so safe. Could you ask for a better place to be? Right. I agree. Well said. Well said. You just put a little bow on top of this whole thing. (laughs) did great um so much I've learned so much today uh, but before we go can I ask you a few quickie questions sure I mean it's kind of fun it's okay. just like relax and I'll have be fun. the judge of that <laughs> before we do that I should ask is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that we didn't get into I can't imagine I feel like we've pried pretty <laughs> deeply haven't we, we did we did a good job I think we're getting there um and these are just fun questions to help us get to know you even more okay all right. Are you ready? I think so. It's, it's, it's quickie, baby. Okay. It's quickie. All right. Coffee or tea? Tea. Earl Grey. Earl Grey. And, and I asked her earlier if she wanted a cup of coffee, and she started 
hitting her her veins in her elbow area. She goes, no, but I'll take some black tea. I need a mainline <laughs> drip of black tea. I am a big tea enthusiast. Good for you. Do you like hot cocoa or hot toddies? I'm a hot cocoa girl. Chocolate all day long. Marshmallows or no marshmallows? Absolutely. Marshmallows toasted is even better. And a candy cane stick in there? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Candy cane leaves sticky on the sides. Um, I am much more of a purist. I like things neat and clean and tidy. And so the candy cane is messy, as are like sugar rims on martinis. I'd prefer to just have the drink without any of the things that will drip or stick on the edges. I think <laughs> this was the gold mine. This was the gold mine. We learned more about you, Lisa Marie, right now on this than, than we did the whole hour on the show, okay? All right. Do you prefer golf or pickleball? Ooh, I'm going to say golf. I actually am not a bad golfer. I have a hole-in-one from Sequoia National Golf Course. Get out of it's town. It's true. It's true. What hole? Um, I don't remember, but I do have a, I have a small trophy from the Ladies Professional Golf Association, the LPGA. Um, it's not a hole-in-one unless someone witnesses it. And to be fair, I actually thought I must have hit this man because he was hollering at me so much. <laughs> He saw it, and I didn't. And I went down and looked for my ball everywhere, everywhere. And he he, he was, was hollering, hollering, and I was like, sorry, waving back, sorry. I thought, I didn't know why he was so upset. He was so animated and freaking out. And when we went down and I went to pull the pin, I just gave up on my ball. Um, I went to pull the pin for my husband to putt, and I was like, oh. He's like, is there a snake? And I was like, no, it's my ball. And when we got up to the next tee hole, the guy's like, I saw it. I saw your ball go in. I was like, oh, my oh God, that's my amazing. Gosh. Did you have to, like, meet up with him then at the clubhouse? And yeah, say, oh, yes. And then, apparently, if you have a hole-in-one, you have to buy drinks for everyone there. And I was, oh it was, but when I went in, there were only four people in the whole clubhouse. <laughs> I was like, drinks on me, boys. It'll be awesome. But it was very exciting. Um, and I don't think I've ever been in the presence of somebody who got a hole-in-one. I am in awe. Well, you should not be. I'm a much better golfer after my third beer. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. This is so great. Okay. All right. I want to ask you another question. Who's your favorite contestant on The Voice? Um, It's definitely going to have to be our hometown hero right now, isn't it? Bryce Leatherwood. (laughs) Bryce Leatherwood. Oh, my gosh. We're all so excited for him. I know. Isn't that awesome? It's so cool. I don't watch television and I learned about him being on this through the Cherokee Connect um, Facebook page and so I appreciate all the folks Amanda Hohenberry and those folks who are supporting him and rooting for votes I get on and I vote even though I'm just not I don't follow the show I'm absolutely for the home team right I'm, I'm not a show follower either but this year I am totally sunk in I'm happy for him and I did see photos of him in his um cowboy hat I thought that was pretty cute yeah we have a huge article about him in our magazine in enjoy Cherokee's November December issue so I'll be sure to give one of those to you before you leave yeah today. and he's welcome too to come and perform for us and when he's back home for the gala we'd be happy to have him Uh-oh. we'll put him on did stage you hear that? in front of everybody did you hear that Bryce Leatherwood we got a spot for you <laughs> on the uh foundation's fundraising event at, yeah. the, at the gala on March 11th. Can you pencil that in, Bryce? He's a Sequoia High School graduate. Probably had Mr. Carnes for chemistry. Just I saying. I bet he did. <laughs> oh, that's one I'll have to get. I'll have to get him on a podcast and yeah. see if we can talk about Mr. Carnes. Yeah. All right. Who was your favorite childhood actor or actress? Uh, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. Who was your childhood actor slash actress crush? Um, Sean Cassidy. Ooh, 
Yeah, <laughs> I liked the Hardy Boys an awful lot, probably way more than I should have, but Uh-oh. I was definitely a Sean Cassidy fan. I was a Michael Jackson fan. Michael Jackson was eighth grade for me, and I wore the Thriller album out. I played it so much. You know, that's when you had white noise on your record players and stuff. I that's loved right. that. Exactly. What was your first car? Um, a Mustang, a 1988 yellow Ford Mustang. No, that is beautiful. Did you take it? Was it a? It was a convertible. You said no. I wish it oh. was a convertible. I, I would picture still it have on the it. beach. I, I would still it have it if it was a convertible. What was a childhood? hatred of food what did you hate as a as a food choice as a child so I've never been a fan of avocados and everyone I know loves them um they are um so excited about the nutritional value of them it's just really a slimy thing to me (laughs) not a fan of avocados and I'm violently allergic to cinnamon I wasn't as a child and I love I loved it and had an appreciation for it but um after my second pregnancy I developed an allergy to cinnamon serious allergy to cinnamon what happens um, kind of thing yeah I it's really bad hives all over my whole body I've had to go to the hospital a couple times like through the ER to get um IV treatments and things because the hives and things are so bad and it becomes anaphylactic around my lips and people love cinnamon I appreciate it too don't get me wrong I, I know it's that time of year um I recently bought a um a sugar-free vanilla latte at Starbucks and was pulling out of the parking lot and popped the top to go take a sip and I was like <gasps> I think there's cinnamon on top of here. And I went back inside and I said, I think I've got the wrong drink. It's a vanilla latte. And the guy's so cute. He's like, yeah, we do that cinnamon as a little extra for this time of year. And I thought it would be a little extra (laughs) for me for sure. Then it's time to start serving it with a little EpiPen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. And cinnamon's in everything. Think about it. it. I can nearly double over with the cinnamon brooms at the front of Kroger. Just the smell when I walk in the store. You Oh my Everybody gosh. else is I like, oh my that. God, it's the smell of Christmas. It's wonderful. I'm literally coughing through oh. the produce section because of those cinnamon brooms. Oh no. It's all Are right. You have to put cinnamon away now? Uh, no, 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 no. I just got to learn to live with it. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that actually, because that is such a festive kind of smell. Oh, it's so and, awesome. And addition. What's the worst job you ever had? <sighs> I'm going to. I'm going to say I work I worked at an Italian restaurant um and it was both the worst job and the best job. Uh, I had to clean a lot of dishes. It was just a small family restaurant. I waited tables. I made great money waiting tables. Um, and I learned to make pizza and I learned to make marinara. I'm fabulous with making my own homemade spaghetti um, marinara sauce now. But it was a really dirty job. And you were always working late at night when all your friends were out doing fun things. You were still cleaning dishes and pots and scrubbing down um, the utility equipment in the back so it was both the best and the worst job yep good answer good answer and finally what's your favorite Cherokee County restaurant kind of on the same line um I I enjoy it's actually a family chain of restaurants so I love J Michael's Prime I I think that's a fabulous restaurant to go to I really appreciate that they run specials during the week like your prime rib or lobster night and things are less expensive sushi night and stuff um Elliot the chef there was very helpful when we had um the pandemic he would he and um Frank helped me to uh film 
they taught us how to make their signature cauliflower cheddar cheese really? recipe. And we had to do our gala online. It was a virtual gala. And so the Swinging Medallions broadcast from up in the Carolinas. And J. Michael's Prime led us into their kitchen to help us cook. And they taught us about wine pairings to go with the dinner. And they served a takeout dinner. So oh. I have to say they're really great. But Shelly also over at Riverstone Corner Bistro is amazing to work with. And does just a they all have such a heart for the community and I love that our community supports restaurants like that yeah well good answers good answers to all of these I appreciate it Lisa Marie it's been just so fun having you here today thank you um yeah I got to know about your your past present and future with the new farm coming up so good deal anybody that wants more information about the cherokee county educational foundation can go online to what's the uh, web address www.cherokeecountyeducationalfoundation.org there it is thanks again for coming in thanks for having me now get out there and enjoy cherokee thank you Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts.